Hey guys, welcome to the Georgia Field Hunting Podcast, episode 73. I'm your host, Brian Grossman, here with co-host Robert Nelson. And uh, guys, I know it's it's been a while. We're, we're still around. Um, it's been a, <laughs> been a few weeks since our last episode, but uh, man, we just been out there plugging away. Uh, man, I, I just to uh, be completely completely honest about it once uh once i get into the rut which it it has been here in the west central part of the state where i'm at um and i have a hard time giving up any any days of hunting to <laughs> to record a podcast <laughs> or do much anything else for that matter so uh yeah i've been i've been trying to get out every chance i get and to take advantage of that that uh brief time period there where you know, you just might have a crack at a, a buck you otherwise would never get a shot at. But, and we'll talk, we'll talk some about that. Um, Robert's just now getting into his prime time. So, yep. Um, it'll be uh, picking up for him. But yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's what's been going on. It's nothing, <laughs> nothing major. We've just been trying to hunt every chance we get. And, uh, we're, we're hunters first and podcasters second. <laughs> that's so. right. Uh, but but yeah, we're glad to be back. Uh, wanted to to get back on here and do a uh, and just really kind of a catch up, kind of what's been going on the last few weeks and and some plans in the coming weeks. And then uh, we'll try to. I got well, I know we got a, a few guys in mind to try to get on here and some some future episodes and get those cranked back out as well. So uh, try to try to pick things back up again again here as we kind of finish out the last half i guess or so of the season so yeah it's seems like it's you know it's november 17th and it's winding down already you know it seems like it even though we still have basically two months left yeah um, yeah kind of like dang it's already winding down you know so it's pretty much the halfway mark yeah I, i gotta watch myself every year what i i know what i do is i just get i go so hard at it those first two months or so that uh, i get about halfway in where we're at now and i start i start sputtering man I start getting that burn out a little bit yep and uh you know the, some of those cold mornings it gets a little harder to roll out of bed and, oh yeah uh yeah so so my, my motivation starts dropping off and especially once once you feel a tag or two which again we'll we'll talk about that here <laughs> in the podcast but um but yeah it's it's we still got plenty of season left if if you haven't punched a tag or haven't uh punch as many as you want to there's still plenty of time out there to to get it done so we'll definitely definitely don't give up don't uh don't put your uh, hunting gear away yet just at, at this point in the season so yeah but, I mean, uh, before we dive in i mean it's like we've talked about in the past on the podcast for people that listen to past episodes especially if the rut is you know quote-unquote winding down in your area i mean i know besides the coast like where you're at brian i mean yeah, it's past the quote unquote peak, but the rut's still running wide open. I mean, at any oh, yeah. moment you could have a buck, you know, come by you chasing a doe or searching or, you know, one that shows up out of nowhere. But this next month for people that the rut's already quote unquote past can be a prime time to kill the big buck if you got the right food sources. Oh yeah. Yep, absolutely. And I actually just seen a, a graph on this the other day. Um, through, uh, I think it was based on, on one study out of like Maryland, but I think if you looked at, at a lot of other studies that have been done, you'll see something similar, but, but basically it was showing deer activity, deer movement through the different periods of the deer season and even post rut and late season, the deer movement is still higher than it was summer and, and early deer season. So 
you still, you know, even though it's, you know, it's not going to be as, as great as it is during that, that peak of the rut, you still have better odds during this later part of the season than you do during the very early part of the season. So it's, it's definitely not time to, you know, to put on the brakes or to, to kind of to give up by any means. It can, uh, man, your season can change in, in a single hunt, man, just in a, a brief minute of time. You can go from your worst season ever to your best season ever. That's so, right. Uh, you just gotta gotta stick with it. That's right. But uh, yeah, I'll let I'll let you kind of kick things off with how things are going. I had to go back and listen to the last podcast today just to remember what we had <laughs> talked about last and and where we were at. You know, I know in the last one we talked we talked about the the uh, check in hunt that we hunted there together, right? And a little bit of stuff kind of after that. But it's been you know basically that was yeah that was the end of october when we had our last one so yeah kind of kind of catch us up to speed <laughs> here how things have been going all right so uh i know it you know if, if y'all listen to the podcast and you follow our social media robert is deerless but <laughs> that that is my personal choice let me throw that out there um i've had plenty of chances to shoot deer over the last couple of weeks and uh you know it's been personal choice not to but since I think since we talked last, I've I've been home. I've hunted our home farm, and then of course I've been out on the public grinding away. And uh, like Brian said, our rut, you know, in the location I'm at, we're still see seventeenth, so we're still sixteen, seventeen days out from the peak at least. So it's really just now starting to get where bucks are traveling. They're starting to look for does. Um, new bucks are showing up and. As a matter of fact, me and Brian were talking this weekend. I've had five new bucks show up that I haven't seen since I put cameras out in June since November 10th. So seven days ago, I've had five new bucks show up on public and I've had three new bucks show up on private down here as well. So eight bucks in total over the last seven days that have started to show up. You can tell they're kind of starting make scrapes they're leaving a lot of sign they're looking for those um kind of just starting that that transition into the the rut time and um so we've been doing that and i think i i should have went back and listened to brian because i can't remember uh me and jonathan went out and hunted that was before the big laser hunt so i've already talked about that so i've been out hunting by myself uh primarily since since the last podcast and i went home and hunted and hunted with my dad for a couple days i left on a thursday and hunted through sunday with him and you know i went into an area that dad had hunted and seen a buck he's hunted the area twice and saw this buck both times no monster by any means he's got a really tall rack um really tall g2s but his g3s are just really short um, dad said probably an inch and a half, two inches, but looked like he was, you know, a three and a half, four and a half year old deer. And dad elected to pass him both times. And so I was going home mainly to kill or try to kill that deer. And obviously we have, you know, have bucks on our home farm as well. This is on another piece of property we lease. And so of course I hunted it. And, uh, unfortunately over the, the weekend, the, the buck never showed for me. His running partner showed up, uh, the second afternoon. His running partner showed up and he wasn't with him, but I uh, did see some does, did see some deer and, you know, had a good time hunting with my dad. He saw a bunch of deer as well, saw a few bucks and uh, saw some nice bucks that he elected to pass and uh, a bunch of does. So that was a good time. And if y'all have 
uh, been to our YouTube channel lately, Brett was able to take a really nice buck on a piece of property that we used to lease and uh, a really old deer, probably seven years old. And uh, he was able to harvest that deer. So um, you can catch that hunt over on our YouTube channel, which uh, that's posted on there. Not not the hunted for general, but the deer and the, the whole story, et cetera, that deer is on there. But Brett was able to harvest that deer that weekend. I came back down to, you know, my house, got back on public, and I've had a spot in mind that doesn't get a lot of pressure on public. And I hunted, I didn't hunt that morning. Uh, this would have been two weeks ago. So right at the first of November, I didn't hunt Saturday morning. I said, I'm going to scout and, uh, use the morning time to scout. And then I had an area where I was going to go in the afternoon, but just try to move some cameras around, find some sign, you know, et cetera, where some deer were hanging out. And so I did that. I got there about 10, you know, when most people would be out of the woods. So that way it wasn't messing up anybody's hunts. I scouted, moved a couple cameras around and it's three o'clock rolls around. This was before time change. Um, I'm headed to the spot. So I was using water access, get my kayak loaded, go down, uh, get out of the kayak. It's probably 305, 310 at this time. And I had about a half mile walk and I had a camera on the ridge, but I was going to hunt that general area. I was just going to check the camera while, <laughs> while I was there. And so I go in and I'm, I pull the camera card and I'm about halfway through the pictures and I hear somebody whistle. And I'm like, man, I know that was not somebody whistling at me. And, uh, so I like looked around, I didn't see nobody. So I continued going through the pictures and I heard it again. And when I heard it the second time, I was like, that's definitely somebody that's in here hunting. <laughs> and so I was like, well, crap, you know, I'm already halfway through checking these pictures. So I was like, well, I'll just finish up real quick, you know, put the card back in the camera. And a side note, I do not think I turned that camera back on after I put the card <laughs> oh, in no. it and I have not been back since. Mm. Um, and that was at the first of November. So that's about 16 days ago. Um, I actually need to, I should tell the guy cause me and him, we actually, uh, exchanged on Facebook and stuff after this. And so anyway, so I'm, I'm trying to hur hurry up and, uh, check the camera and that way I can just put the card back in and back out. The guy was already there. Well, he comes over, you know, and I, I think what he thought at first was I was just going to get my stuff and set up right there. Yeah. You know, even though he was, I could clearly hear him whistling and that wasn't the case at all. I was just trying to finish up checking the pictures and then I was going to grab my, my computer and, you know, back out of there and just go somewhere else. Well, he came over and talked to me and he was a really nice guy. And, uh, <laughs> it was funny cause we got to talking and he was like, is that your camera? And I was like, yeah, it's mine. I put it out a couple of weeks ago. And he's like, you're the first person I've ever seen back here. And I, the, I, that was kind of my reaction. He's the first guy I've ever seen in this area. And uh, so we were talking, you know, uh, exchanging information, ideas and stuff about the area because we were the only two that we know of that's hunting it and uh, just trying to help each other out. And he he was even kind enough. He's like, look, man, you've come all this way. He was like, if you want to hunt in this general area, you can. And I was like, no, you know, I'm not going to set up right on top of you, you know, even though we're bow hunting. I was like, I'll, uh, you know, I'll go somewhere else and, you know, let you have it. So, uh, at that time I, we didn't exchange any information and this made me feel really good, um, this year. And I told you about it. I, I left the area and it's already almost four o'clock at this point. So we're talking like three hours before dark, you know, and I'm like, <laughs> man, you know, what am I going to do? And I said, well, I'll go 
just scout my way in and whatever I find I'll set up on. So I did that, had my stuff on my back, had my bow, scouted my way in and uh, was going, you know, going into hunt and found some sign on a creek crossing where some deer were crossing. There was a bunch of doe tracks. Uh, I could see crossing some pig tracks as well. And I could see where they were going up over this dry point in the swamp. And then they were crossing another creek. And I said, well, I'll just ease over there. Check that out. And uh, so I did. I went over there and there was fresh buck tracks in it. And I was like, man, this is like really fresh because it had just rained not too long before that. And so I set up on it, uh, picked the tree out and ended up seeing two bucks that afternoon. Uh, both, you know, I elected to pass. One was probably a little fork horn. The other was a pretty decent six pointer. And uh, I, I elected to pass him as well. He walked right under my tree and it was tempting. I'm not going to lie. As, as a bow hunter on public land. For a guy, as people that listen to the podcast, especially for the last two seasons, I, I didn't kill a single deer last year, again, by choice. Um, I could have shot, you know, a bunch of does and some smaller bucks, and I messed up on some bigger deer. But, you know, it, it got pretty tempting when he walked right under my stand to to pull back and let one loose. But I didn't. I held <laughs> off and let him go. And uh, it, it was cool to, you know in my mind, like me and you talked about to kind of go back to that mindset of, okay, let me scout my way in and set up and see what happens. And I ultimately ended up seeing two bucks. So that was pretty cool to know that, you know, I have, I I haven't really done that much this year, to be honest. I have once or twice, but I've been mainly relying off past experiences, camera photos, um, stuff like that. And then, so to be able to go in, you know, kind of go back to that mentality that I used last year and uh, find the sign set up on it. And, you know, I could have shot both bucks. They were both within bow range was uh, pretty cool in my mindset. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, is that can- oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, is that, have you, you got out much since then or is that kind of? Uh, one time, I, I <laughs> uh, actually, uh, last Saturday, I'm not going to lie, me and the wife went out Friday night. Uh, we went over to some friend's house, you know, stayed out later than I should have. So I, I took Saturday off and uh, watched some football and, you know, just laid around the house. And Sunday I did get out. Uh, I did the same thing, checked some cameras, kind of scouted around a little bit Sunday morning and then hunted Sunday afternoon. And unfortunately thought I had a spot that was going to be really good based on the wind and stuff and camera photos within the last few days, but didn't end up seeing anything. But I wasn't really up too upset about it. Um, I had never been in there, and I think it's going to be a good area. And I think it could possibly be a good early season area. There's nobody in there. No hunter sign. I, I've, I scouted the whole area the week before, and no, no flagging tape, no boot tracks, no stands, no stand marks on trees. I mean, it's just no hunter sign whatsoever. And there was a ton of deer in there. And, uh, I just, you know, one of those situations could have been a, the the wrong afternoon, you know, and uh, didn't see anything. And I will say, and I've told you, the listeners don't know, a few podcasts back earlier in the season, I, I, I made a bold comment about an area on this WNA, WMA, and I said, I'm going to kill a buck out of this spot, which is a pretty bold comment. <laughs> you know, that's, that's pretty bold, but... um just based off what I know from last year, I have a high confidence level that I will kill a buck out of this area. I've had a camera in there since July and did not pull it. I actually moved it on 
from one tree to another, but still in the same general area within a 20 yard radius. And I checked it Sunday as well. First time in about a month. And since November 10th, there was three new bucks that had showed up and one of them was daylighted. And so based off my experience from last year with that area, I know in about two weeks, if they're already showing up now in that area, in about two weeks, based off what I know from last year, that area is going to be on fire, man. I mean, I it's a, it's already starting. Like, like I said, three new bucks within a four-day period, one in daylight, and it's only going to get better over the next couple weeks. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. That's good having, uh, you still having that, that best, uh, peak, peak activity period up ahead of you. Right. Instead right. of being on the, on the downhill slide, like, like us, uh, the, the most of the state is here. <laughs> right. And I, I got a couple places on another WMA that, uh, I ran some cameras in late last year and had really good buck movement in daylight at those times as well when that, when that WMA opens back up. So. I feel confident I can get it done just because I have a little more history. You know, prior to last year, I didn't have no history. So now I've, I have a little bit to go off of for this year. And the spot that the buck showed up in, there was no human sign, and, uh, nobody on my camera, no stands. You know, didn't look like anybody had been in there. And the deer were moving in there like there hadn't been anybody in there. And um, I think it's going to end up paying off. But I guess let's... uh. With that, let's go ahead. <laughs> Talking about the downhill slope here is something that <laughs> you don't have to worry about. So, <laughs> so uh, why don't you go ahead and break it down for us, man? All right. Yeah. Well, it's funny. I was sitting here thinking back and, man, even though it's been three weeks since we did a podcast, I think back about the hunts and stuff. And I'm like, man, I, a lot happened in three weeks. <laughs> really? Yeah. Uh, for you. You know, on you know, the uh, as far as public land goes since the last podcast, you know, the WMA that I hunted for most of the early season closed out. So, you know, kind of forced at that point to uh, to try some of the other WMAs and ended up finding a, well, I actually found it before season, but just hadn't hunted it, but went back into a, uh, a bedding area on another WMA or just this really nice ridge side with a lot of good bedding cover. That's way off the beaten path, you know, very little sign of, of past hunting activity and, uh, you know, ran, ran a camera in there. Some were early season, had a few decent bucks in there, show up, had another camera that I put out and it only lasted like seven days and, and died on me. But anyway, I, you know, I kind of played cat and mouse in there for a little while, seen late eyes on, on one or two, I guess two decent bucks in there on, on, uh, a couple of hunts. And just never, never got a shop or opportunity out of that. But, you know, it was looking, looking to be a good little spot. And oh, I think it will be in the future. Definitely a spot to, I'll be keeping my eye on for, for next season for sure. But, uh, did that. And then let's see, I guess this past week, um, I'm going I'm to cut you off. I'm going to cut yeah, you off. Go ahead. So this area, cause there was something else that happened, right? Where, all right, you saw two good bucks. One of them gave you the slip and, uh, you know, got in cover before you could get a shot off. But then there was another time you went out there, right? And there was a buck that you walked up right on. Oh yeah. Yeah. And a different, yeah. Di same WMA, uh, different areas, actually looking at a, an, another spot that I, I wanted to look at. It's an area I've hunted in, in the, that general area before and actually killed 
uh, I've killed a few does out of there. It's it's not that far off the beaten path, but it's kind of one of those little overlooked spots. Um, but I wanted to get a little deeper than I, I typically go to when I, it's really a spot. I just go in to shoot does, but, and, and not have too far of a drag, but, uh, <laughs> I, I wanted to get a little deeper in there and it's an area where it's just, uh, it gets pretty thick in there, pretty nasty, a lot of trees down. And, but anyway, I, I got in there and there was, you know, good trail, good sign. I was just kind of easing along. I, I was kind of doing what you were talking about earlier. I was really just looking to scout my way in. And when I found the spot, found the sign that I, I was looking for, I was going to, you know, climb a tree and didn't get too far in there. And uh, I hung a camera. I found a creek cross. And I like hung, hung a camera there, but I wasn't sure that's the spot I necessarily wanted to hunt. And so I kept going a little further along this, along this creek and man just caught movement to my left, looked over and I still, I guess this. This buck must have been so focused on on cruising for does or whatever that he was literally when I first seen him, no more than twenty twenty five yards away. He was just on the other side of this little creek, easing along, and didn't have a clue in the world that I was there. I dropped down on my knee. I am scrambling to get an arrow out of my quiver and get it knocked. My release was in my one of my pouches on my tethered saddle. And so I'm scrambling to get that thing out. And of course, by the time I did all that, he was through any kind of shooting opportunity I had and into some thick cover. And I could still see him, you know, as he weaved through the the cover and stuff. And I, I tried to, once he, I let him, I didn't want to grunt too soon when he was right there by me and I'm kneeling down kind of in the open, I let him get away from me a little bit and tried to grunt some at him to get him to come back. And of course, you know, that, that didn't work. And, uh, so he, he eased on off and I ended up hunting in that area. I didn't, I decided not to go any further. I'd seen him. I thought, you know, maybe a hot doe had come through there and he was on that trail. So maybe more bucks would follow. So I went ahead and set up in that general area and of course didn't see anything at all. Um, check that camera here just recently and, uh, had a couple of, of decent bucks that had come through there. Um, I think I got three bucks on there only one of them during daylight but uh, one of them was chasing a doe at i don't know three in the morning or something but a, a wide buck didn't didn't have a lot of time length but he was wide but yeah i had some deer activity in there and actually the day i went in and checked it uh i, I was checking it looking through the time stamps and there was these four does just standing around in front of the camera there and they was they the, as i you know advanced through the pictures they were looking you know right back from the direction, my direction. And then I realized I looking at, and then I had a picture of me, you know, walking into the camera <laughs> and it was literally two minutes apart. Those four does were standing there in front of the camera and then me walking in to check it. So I pushed those does right past my camera. But, uh, so yeah, I might, that's definitely a spot. I'll probably get back out and hunt even, uh, without a buck tag <laughs> and see if I can't pop a doe and, and maybe see a, see a good buck. I'm sure I'll, I'll probably see a good buck now that I can't do anything about it, but you don't post on right. social media. You heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, I'm definitely, uh, man, that's what I love about, about deer season and, and hunting public land and, and just trying new spots is, and you, you get that opportunity to build every season you're building on the last season. I mean, that's two areas right now that even though, you know, I didn't kill a deer in either one of those areas and, and may not. Though going into next season, of course, those are going to be two key areas I'm going to be focused in on, you know, and of course, I'm also 
at the same time, there's plenty of spots I've hunted this year that, you know, I'm probably not going to, not going to say I'm going to completely write them off, you know, due to the lack of success or just lack of maybe getting pictures or, or whatever the case may be. It'll be areas that next year I probably won't focus a lot of time on, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to stick to those, those areas that, you know, high percentage areas, I guess you'd say are the areas where I'm seeing things this year and, uh, or, you know, where I had good experience last year, you just keep building basically on that information. And, uh, every year, man, you just, it you just get a little, uh, a little closer, I guess, to figuring out that <laughs> putting all the pieces of the puzzle together that, that you never completely figure out, but, you know, it's just cool when you're, when you're hunting the same piece of ground like that over and over and, and get to learn that kind of stuff. But, but yeah, then, uh, uh, last, last week, I took a trip to Kentucky. Uh, it was more, I mean, it was really planned as, as kind of a family trip. Uh, but because, you know, you and I didn't get to go to Kentucky in the early season, like we initially planned, I still I already had my tag. Right. So, uh, I, I kind of made it a dual purpose trip and, and I wanted to get a, at least a little hunting in while I was there. And so, uh, unfortunately we, we ended up leaving a little, a day later than I really was wanting to, we were not to get into a long story, but we, we were waiting on my son <laughs> to see if he could go and it didn't work out because of his, his class schedule and stuff. But, uh, so ended up getting there a little later. And then of course the first day I was there, they were calling for rain all day, but luckily it held off enough. I got out and got about three, three to four hours of scouting in. That was last Thursday, last Thursday morning, got some scouting in on this WMA. It's, WMA close to where I grew up. Actually, the the WMA I worked on the first first uh, wildlife job I ever had, so I was familiar with the area. But back when I was actually hunting it some, and it, I didn't have a clue what I was doing, and so I didn't really have like a lot of great information or intel to go back. I, other than just knowing knowing the area some and and kind of knowing hunting pressure. That, but as far as like having having spots where I'd killed big bucks in the past, <laughs> I didn't have a lot of history. Uh, as far as that went but anyway i got got in there scouted and this is a high deer density area so finding sign was not an issue you know there's everywhere you go you can find trails and and sign but i had an area i'd marked on the map that was kind of out of the way and it was a thermal hub where a bunch of uh bunch of ridges or fingers kind of dropped down into a single drainage so i wanted to check that out and sure enough got down in there and and started running into fresh scrape after fresh scrape and uh thought man this looks really good and i went ahead and walked the, a lot of that drainage and some of the side drainages and everything just to see if i could find better sign and i found a lot of sign but i kept coming back to that that uh that thermal hub or that that travel hub there was where the really the most concentrated fresh sign was and so that's where i hunted friday morning didn't see anything of course and so uh <laughs> lunchtime i was kind of regrouping and actually a buddy of mine I talked to a buddy of mine the night before who who uh used to hunt out there some and he hadn't hunted it in years but he was telling me about a spot where he always seen does it was a it was a doe bedding area he he called it a doe bedding area he always seen does there in, in evening hunts so i went midday and scouted that out and it looked really good i didn't get of course didn't get into the bedding but i kind of walked a, a big loop around the bedding and there really wasn't a lot of sign in there. There was, there was a, a good trail around it, some older sign, but there wasn't a whole lot of fresh sign, but it looked good for bedding and the wind was perfect. It was coming kind of off the road 
through this bedding area and and out the back side so my hope was that you know i might catch a buck cruising the back side of that bedding cover using the wind to check for you know any any does that may be uh in heat there in the in the thicket so i thought well i'm just gonna i'm gonna set up on the back side of this thicket and and see how it goes um it wasn't too far off the road and they were calling for rain to come in possibly anyway. So I like that better than, than the first <laughs> spot I'd hunted that morning where I was a ways off the road. So anyway, I set up on that. Um, I don't know, an, an hour or so in, I hadn't been there too terribly long and, uh, hear something behind me turn around and, and there, this doe is just running wide open past me got her head tucked down and i mean she looked like she was almost low crawling to the ground as far as like her body but she was running just wide open past me i was like well that can only mean one of two things either either coyotes after or another you know bucks after and i turned around and looked behind her and sure enough i seen another deer back behind her uh in in some thick stuff and you know could tell he's a little little bigger body than than the doe and so i just went ahead you know, and it, uh, I didn't know how quick he was going to close the distance. So he was coming to my, I was facing away from him in the saddle. So he's coming to my, my strong side, my left. I just went ahead and grabbed my bow without even looking back and just drew back and was just kind of waiting for him to show up in my line of sight on my left. You know, I had no idea at this point if it was a shooter or not, but I wanted to be ready. And, uh, I got drawn back and I'm listening and I don't hear anything. I'm like, oh, this ain't good. He, I, I thought for sure he had pegged me you know, fumbling around, getting my bow, drawing back. And then I hear a real light, just a, and I turn around, so I ease around real slow and look behind me and he hadn't seen me. He's just standing there. There's a little kind of sapling between me and him, but he's just looking around like he's trying to figure out what his next move should be. And he walks right by me and this, he's just a little, I think he's a five pointer, just basically a, a fork horn with maybe a one sticker point on one side yearling most likely and uh he walked right by i could have shot him at 10 yards and i'm like man i i only got one day to hunt but i'm still not ready to to you know release an arrow on a yearling <laughs> so i i let him go on by and uh and, and also uh, i'll say with that too i knew i'm going back the week of christmas um not the whole week but I'll, i hopefully i'll get another couple more days of hunting in so that was another reason you only get one buck tag in kentucky I just didn't want to burn it on a yearling. Right. So he went on by and, and that was cool. That right there, I was already, if I didn't see anything else that evening, I was like, that, that was worth it right there. Just seeing him come by chasing that dog, just grunting all the whole way. Cause you don't get that in Georgia. <laughs> <laughs> no, not a lot. In fact, that was the best run activity I've seen all season for real. Uh, other than just seeing cruising bucks, I, I have not seen a lot of rut activity uh, this year in Georgia, but. Uh, lots of sign, but as far as actually seeing rut activity, but anyway, it, so I didn't see a whole lot until, uh, it got around sunset and I, ha- I wasn't seeing much else. And so I went ahead and did like a, just a, a grunting sequence, just some, a series of just light grunts. And, and it wasn't just a, a few minutes later, if even that, uh, I hear something and another yearling buck kind of come busting from the direction of, of that bedding cover not the same way the first one had come but he was out in front of me he just kind of ran in and, and busted into some cover and it stood there for a second and then eased off kind of in the direction the first two had went i was like man well that, that's pretty cool too you know 
uh, he, he wasn't any bigger than the first one. So never even, you know, pick my bow up on that one. But I was like, this is, man, this is great. And of course I'm kicking myself thinking <laughs> all this good activity, buck act, or running activity. And I got to head home in the morning, but then, uh, then right at dark, I just happened. I can't remember if I heard something or just happened to look around behind me again. And I see a, a bigger buck and I can tell, you know, he's out, he's outside his ears. Didn't have a whole lot of time length. Um, but, but outside his ears looked like he had decent mass and that was all I needed that, you know, this one I was gonna, I was gonna shoot if given the opportunity. Um, and of course he, he's coming in the same way the the first two did the doe and the buck did originally, he gets behind that same little sapling where that first buck stopped and, and kind of assessed the situation. And, and this buck was kind of doing the same thing. So I'm preparing for that strong side shot. You know, I've got my bow picked up. Uh, I haven't drawn back yet at the, or maybe I did. I might actually, no, I don't think I didn't draw back at this point. I'd kind of turned and was waiting to see what he was going to do. And he breaks instead of breaking left and coming to my strong side, he broke right and started heading toward my weak side. And I spun around. I'm, I'm shooting now. I'm, you know, if you, if you're a saddle hunter, or even if you're not, you're thinking I'm facing the tree. So that's kind of my 12 o'clock, that tree. This buck is at like my six o'clock straight behind me, which is a, in a saddle, that's a makeable shot, you know, turn to your, your strong side. I was turned around to my left. I draw him back. I, I put my pin on him, but he was moving. And I tried the, you know, the classic, man, <laughs> didn't stop. I'm following along thinking, man, just stop, man. And, uh, he gets, he finally gets so far that I can't spin any further to that, that, that direction, uh, with my bow. And so he gets out of my shooting lane. I try to turn around and get positioned where I can get a weak side shot. And just by the time I did that, he had done got below me and in, in some thick stuff. And it was, uh, it was game over, but so no, no shot opportunity on the one shooter that I saw there in Kentucky, but man, for, for a one, one day of hunting, uh, that it, it was a heck of a trip. Really? Uh, <laughs> I got, I, I got to ask, um, you know, since you brought, brought up the whole saddle situation, and I know we, me and you have discussed a little before about the situation, but do you think if you would have turned, you know, cause for people that don't, that don't saddle hunt, they may not understand to take the weak side shot that Brian's talking about. Sometimes the best option is to kind of swing your, your, uh, bow holding arm, you know, on the weak side under your tether. So the tether kind of straps your back to the tree so you can draw, et cetera, and shoot. And I uh, really need a video explanation for this, but yeah. do you, do you think even if you would have done that prior to be able to shoot, you know, your strong side and your weak side, it would have made a difference since he didn't stop. Possibly. I mean, it's, it, you know, it's easy to look back now and say I should have, but I, I don't know. Cause I, in my mind, I can't, I don't know how much cover was right there. Once he, once he broke right from that little sapling behind me, I can't remember exactly how much cover was there. I don't know if there would have been a good opening for me to shoot through that way. Anyway, it may, it may not have mattered regardless. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, you just, for whatever reason, man, you know, <laughs> give it up for, uh, for a little older buck. I don't, I mean, he, he's probably three and a half year old. Maybe it wasn't no, it wasn't no giant. Um, but it, you know, I'd have been tickled to death to put a tag on him for, for one day in Kentucky, but yeah, just leave it to the the older buck that, you know, coming in on the same trail as that yearling, but he breaks to the, the one side <laughs> where I can't get a shot, you know, and, 
Oh, that yearling yeah. I could have shot a, a half a dozen times over. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but so yeah, that was frustrating. But man, I left there just thinking, how how cool was that? Uh, wish I would have had you know another day or two, man. Because I'm sure that doe was, or at least you know, I would think that doe was probably in estrus or close to it with the way that she was getting hounded by that little buck. So, you know, I feel like if I'd have went back in there the next day, that there probably would have been some more activity going on, but you never know. You never know. Yeah. A spot can go from hot to nothing in a day. He could have run her two ridges over for all I know. Right. But yeah, I, I was, I was definitely craving a little more time in the stand, but I am going to go, like I said, I'm going to go back. Uh, we're going to go down there for Christmas and hopefully I'll get a couple days of hunting in again. And maybe I can, maybe I can at least shoot a doe down there, put a tag on something. Well, that, that does make me feel good because, you know, I know obviously me and you, we had big plans to go on an early season hunt and then we tried to make it November and you bought your tags early and uh, my life has been a whirlwind, unfortunately, <laughs> the, the last few months. So I haven't been able to make it work and uh, I haven't been able to to go and uh, hopefully next year, you know, we'll have it all sorted out by that time and uh, maybe can replan a trip to either early season or during the rut so it does make me feel good at least you got to go at least once and yeah. you're gonna you're gonna get to go again because i, I would have felt real bad if you would have <laughs> bought your tags and then you didn't even get to go um which i know you have family in kentucky so but you know if you didn't even get to go at all i would have been like man i feel terrible you know he bought, <laughs> he bought tags and he didn't even get the hunt and then uh so I, I am glad that you at least got to go once and you're, you know, good Lord will, and you're going to get to go again. So that does make me feel good considering my life has been, you know, like <laughs> no. I said, a, a whirlwind since August. Yeah, no, it was, it was worth it. It was worth the, for the one hunt. And like I said, there's no reason, uh, unless something, you know, who, who knows what can happen between now and Christmas, I guess, but, uh, barring any, anything crazy happening, I should get a couple more days of hunting in there around Christmas. So it's all good. Uh, had a good time and then uh, came back to Georgia and break it down, man. Come on. <laughs> came back to Georgia. We got back Saturday night, I guess, and uh, didn't hunt, didn't hunt Sunday, you know, did, did the church thing on Sunday. Well, actually, I, I, I guess to clarify, <laughs> Sunday morning I did, uh, I got out and checked that's when I checked the camera at that other WMA and had, had a few good bucks and walked up on the four does or whatever. But then, uh, that evening, yeah, I did, the, did the church thing Sunday evening, Monday, you know, was working and I actually hadn't necessarily planned on hunting, but I just got that, that craving. I was like, man, I'm going to at least, if nothing else, I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, you know, get off the computer here at four o'clock and go out and hunt the last couple hours of daylight behind the house. And really didn't have anything exciting. You know, I, I got a camera over on my little food plot, which, you know, my food plot ain't doing great. Uh, but I still, I'll get some nighttime pictures in it. Uh, occasionally a daytime picture, but those are few and far between. And then the camera kind of up on the back hill on my property, you know, I'd still, I'd put some corn out up, up there a while back. And I, man, I just wasn't getting much of anything on it. Uh, occasionally some nighttime pictures, mainly does and button bucks and fawns. Uh, every once in a while, a buck would show up, but it was just, you know, I just wasn't getting much And my, my, the whole back hillside on my property is just covered up in white oak acorns right now. Um, so they just, for whatever reason, now my neighbor, <laughs> my neighbor is getting all kinds of pictures on his <laughs> corn and whatever else he's got out there. He, he sends those to me. 
but anyway, you know, I didn't have a whole lot to get fired up about, but you know, I just wanted to get out and hadn't been back there in a little while. So, uh, went back there, just climbed, took, took the rifle of all things too. I'm like, I'm just going to go back here, pack the rifle, climb up in the two man ladder stand that I put up there last year, you know, mainly for my kids and, uh, just, you know, sit till dark, see what happens. See if I see some deer, you know, no, no expectations whatsoever. And I was sitting there like again, got back there about four, about five and squirrels, man. I got so many squirrels back there. Always thinking, is that a deer? Is that oh, a deer? Oh yeah, every time. Just wear <laughs> me out, man. I'm gonna after deer season, I'm gonna have to have a, a squirrel extermination party back there and <laughs> <laughs> just see if I can fill a limit. But anyway, yeah, I'd sit there and, and about five o'clock I started hearing something. And you know how it is when you're hearing squirrels, you think, is that a deer? But when right. you hear deer, you know it. I mean, oh, usually. Yeah. Yep. And you know, I heard that steady pace of a deer. And so I looked down to my left and sure enough, here's a buck. I see antlers. He's, he's just kind of easing along a, the, a bench kind of midway down the ridge from me. And I didn't even, you know, when I seen him, I didn't even pick my gun up or anything. I actually picked up my, my cell phone and I'm like, oh, I'll get some video of him. Cause I, I seen a rack, but you know, wasn't anything, you know, out of the, wasn't anything that, that got me like all excited at initially. And so I'm, I'm videoing him with the camera and, you know, he's kind of starts back to my left and he's easing along the ridge and, and he gets kind of directly down below me, uh, gets in a little bit of thick stuff there where I couldn't, you know, I could still see him moving around, but I couldn't see a lot. And then he starts kind of getting out, you know, ahead of me or, you know, down to my left, but kind of out in front of me. And I thought, well, I guess I need to at least look and see what, what, what he has <laughs> on top of his head, you know, with the scope. And I raise my scope up and look, and I immediately see that that ninth point on his, I guess, left. I think his left beam, and immediately know this is this is a big body nine that I've been getting pictures of and and watching ever since summer. Actually, though, of the original four bucks that I had showing up, this was the main one that I wanted to shoot initially. Uh, but he was also the one that was the least. Uh, least regular you know he just kind of random when he would show up every once in a while i get a daytime picture of him hadn't seen him much at all in the last few weeks and when i did it was you know middle of the night type pictures so really hadn't thought a whole lot about him and like i said i just raised my scope up and seen that was him and i knew from all these pictures i had from early season that this was a bigger body deer he was an, an older deer um not he ended up not being quite as old as i thought he was but he was he ended up by jawbone. Uh, I believe he's four and a half years old. But anyway, see him. I realized it's the big nine. I think, man, I, I'm going to do it. I'm going to finish out my season right here. <laughs> I, it, I a little bit of debate went on in me, but I was just like, no, nah, I'm going to do it. And uh, put put the or well, I had to wait for him to step out from behind a tree, put the crosshairs on him, and squeeze the trigger off. And you know, he did the did the back leg buck and and kind of ran down over around the point of the ridge and out of sight and then i immediately you know heard some some thrashing and thought yeah he's he's down and uh yeah got my got my stuff together real quick it was still you know it was just five o'clock still good in daylight got my stuff together and uh eased down there to to the shot found blood right away and uh just kind of walked around the ridge of the hill and and looked and there he was 
down at Man. the end of the ridge, right by the creek. You know, I even ran closer to my house to make it easy <laughs> on me. <laughs> right, right down there by the creek. So, uh, yeah. Man, it was uh, it was cool. Got down there and looked him over. Just had to drag him across the creek, and then I could get my little my little tracker side by side down there to pick him up. And well, getting him in there well, that was another <laughs> another fun thing. But uh, yeah, my my wife's like, um, you gonna call somebody to help you get this thing in there? Because he's a man. I wish I had a scale. It, even I, this may be the biggest body deer ever I've ever shot, even from my time in Kentucky. Uh, he, I wish I knew what he weighed, but he was, he was a hoss. Mm. Um, you know, rack is not overly impressive. Just a nice wide. I didn't even put a tape measure to see how wide he is, but you know, a decent wide nine pointer. Um, but, but yeah, I'm, I was tickled to death. Um, my, my goal has kind of, well, really mainly hunting public land. You know, I hadn't had a lot of private land to hunt, but public land I always try to shoot, you know, for a three and a half year old or older buck. I don't necessarily base it on you know, the size of antlers. Cause you know, if you do, you can set yourself up for a lot of disappointment oh, around yeah. here. So I, you know, I try to base it on age and when I, you know, I knew he was older deer. I thought it thought he was maybe five and a half when, you know, he was showing up on camera and stuff, but, uh, at least toothware looks like three and a half or four and a half. I mean, but I may send, uh, I still have, of course, both of the skulls. I may send, uh, an incisor tooth, you know, you can send them off to a lab, and they can give you a more accurate reading through a, a method called, uh, shoot, man, I just went blank on it. Um, anyway, yeah, I'll have yeah, to think that. Like, don't ask me because <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not sure. Man, I can't believe I went blank on that. But yeah, anyway, it's, they basically, it's almost like a tree. They cut a section through it and they can look at, I mean, it's it's basically like rings, but it's where they can tell the, the seasons because the, the tooth during stressful periods of the year, it, it looks a little different than other times. And they can actually kind of count those stressful periods, you know, one for each year. And they can, they can accurately age a deer from that uh, more so than just looking at the jawbone. But anyway, that's, that's a whole nother discussion, but yeah, I was able to tag out on bucks was on my own property, which is, you know, just made it that much more special for me. But only, you know, the only downside is I'm kind of, you done. I, that eliminated any opportunity <laughs> well ab- about any opportunity to kill a, a public land buck this year other than uh there there is a check-in hunt coming up that i got my eye on that i might have to try but yeah <clears throat> i got a, a bonus deer hunt now yeah not a check-in yeah. hunt anymore but i i gotta ask so this might be a good a good point for the listeners here so that buck when you shot him uh the other night where he was at any indication that he would walk by your camera at all oh no no he wasn't anywhere near it exactly so any 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 prior pictures you were getting at the middle of the night so that's a good point just because you're getting middle of the night pictures you know a lot of times i I will say a lot of times it does indicate that a deer is probably not bedding too close to that area i will say a lot of times but not all the time in this instance he was showing up when he did you know most of the time in the middle of the night and then you killed him an hour and a half before daylight or before dark, yeah. you know? So it doesn't always indicate that, you know, just cause you're getting pictures in the middle of the night doesn't mean he's not using that area. It's just, you know, uh, being not, you know, some luck involved, but right. And, and well, I got another good story to kind of go right along with that, which I kind of, I left out. I hunted, hunted my property and I can't remember exactly what is this, this is this 
what I think it is. The neighbors and yeah, yep. it, this yep. was before. This was before I went to Kentucky anyway. But I'd hunted. I'd hunted there another time. And again, this was I. I had some corn up at the very top of the property, um, but I just decided to hunt. I hunted down on the bottom along a creek, just just for the heck of it. Last year, I, I put a camera down there, kind of along that creek. Of course, there was some corn out there last year. Uh, wasn't hunting it yet. I, I was in the process of buying it. But anyway, I had a lot of different bucks show up, kind of along that creek there. And I sent you pictures that they there was some bunch of trees and stuff all rubbed in there. So I just oh, yeah. set up along the creek one evening. Uh, in my stand with my bow that time. And uh, I don't know, some point that evening, I'd actually got a notification. I had a, a cell camera up on the, the corn on top. I get a notification on my phone. <laughs> I'm like, oh boy. And I look at it and it's just, uh, it's just a button buck, uh, maybe a doe and a button buck. And they were up on the hill, you know, at the corn pile. So I'm actually, I, I'm trying to look up there and I can't quite make out you know, I, I could see close that general area, but I just couldn't see exactly where those deer were standing. And so I'd been every once in a while, I'd been kind of looking up that way just to see if I could see them. And, uh, w- one of the times while I was looking up there, I catch movement and I look and there's this nice eight pointer that I gotten some pictures of, um, not real wide, but pretty tall, long tines, per- just a pretty buck. And one that I I'd probably would have shot with my bow if given the opportunity, but he was up on the ridge um, traveling across my property and toward the neighbors. And of course, never, never got on camera, never came into corn. He had to have walked right by the corn somewhere, or at least, you know, within close proximity of it, but just no interest in it whatsoever. Never got a, again, never got a picture of him or anything. I just watched him walk by across the fence over under the neighbors. I knew my neighbor was over there hunting that evening. Uh, and it wasn't long before I hear a big boom. And I was like, well, there with that one. And come to find out it was, uh, he was over there with his son, his young son. And so I was, I was tickled to death that, you know, if it's the thought of his son getting that buck, but unfortunately he, uh, he missed or he just grazed the brisket on that deer. Um, and a a couple days later, I actually, it showed back up in my food plot in the middle of the night on, on my trail camera. So I was glad to see you know that in my neighbor you know they looked for it had a dog come out and looked and just just couldn't find anything and again showed up on my trail camera and you could see it had just a little place on its brisket where he had grazed it and uh and then ironically i don't know a week or so later my wife's like telling me that uh one of our neighbors down the road that his uh his stepson killed a nice eight pointer and she shows me the picture and it's that eight pointer. <laughs> uh, he's a couple properties down, but yeah, he, uh, another kid got a shot at it and, and he killed it. So it's pretty cool. I'm glad to see a, a kid got that buck. It was, it was a oh, nice yeah. buck. Oh yeah. And, uh, it's just funny how that stuff works out. Um, but anyway, just that kind of a long story to get back to the point <laughs> that, you know, that deer never showed up on the, on that camera. You know, he walked right by, um, but didn't walk in front of the camera, didn't stop to feed on the corn. You know, I don't know if he was uh, trailing a doe or just cruising for a doe or, or what, but right. you can't, I, I I have to remind myself that all the time, just because you ain't getting pictures on the camera doesn't mean that deer aren't using the area. You know, they could be walking by every single day, 40 yards from there and, and your camera right. never pick it up. So especially on public land where you're, you know, you're not putting out any kind of attractant 
uh, right. to stop them or to draw them in front of the camera to begin with. But right, well, I, I mean, I guess that goes back to what we talked about. You know, hunting the sign. Obviously, that creek bottom. You know that you're talking about had a bunch of rubs in it. So you decided to set up there and ultimately yeah. almost got a shot off. You know, it's just it's hunting that sign and. I guess I've let I've I've left out a lot here as well. Um, yeah, it's funny you, you start talking, you remember right. other stuff happening. But. Right. Uh, for people that don't follow us on social media, uh, my dad actually tagged out. Uh, yeah, and, yeah and, I meant to bring it up earlier <laughs> or ask you. Yeah, and leave five, your dad out. Yeah, leave my dad out. And dad, if you're listening, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but my dad tagged out, and uh, he shot a buck actually. I left on Sunday that week of Halloween. He killed a buck two days later, which is uh, we got the jawbones. We're going to get them sent off to get them aged. But I believe the first buck he shot is seven plus years old. The buck first showed up in 2017, and uh, I have all the pictures saved on my computer. And uh, so, of course, when he first showed up, you know, we didn't have any interest in shooting him. He showed up during the rut. So, you know, we expected as most bucks do when they show up during the rut. Yeah, there's a chance they might hang around with the food plots, et cetera. But uh, once they get done rutting, but most of the times, you know, they travel through and they're gone. Uh, but he came back and at the end of the season and he was hanging out and we knew he was young, so we let him go. Uh, 2019 rolled around. We figured he was probably four and a half at this point and uh, figured it was probably, you know, time to look at taking him, you know, four and a half year old. I, I believe in my mind in Georgia, you get a buck to four and a half on a small piece of private like that. I mean, it's a little less than a hundred acres, so it's not, you know, a huge property, but it's not super small either. But, you know, the chances of him getting killed at that point are pretty high, um, especially during the rut being as big as he was at that point. So, uh, but so we decided to take him in 2019, of course, never saw him from the stand, not one time. <laughs> And uh, 2021 rolls around. He shows back up this summer just like he normally does. And uh, always at night. Of course, he was daylighted in the summer. I mean, when he was still growing his antlers and stuff. But uh, pretty much nighttime photos. And Tuesday after Thanksgiving, so it would have been, or after not Thanksgiving, Halloween, it would have been November 2nd, um, if I'm thinking back correctly. Dad texts me, says, big buck down. He sends me a picture. It's the deer. Um, you know, it's that buck. And nice. shot him on a food plot. And uh, he come out behind a doe, of course. And uh, wasn't chasing her or nothing, but just kind of feeding around with her, kind of like he might have been with her, locked down. But um, Dad was able to harvest him. They, they went out of town. He comes back and on... Um, trying to think what day it was here when I went out Saturday, maybe the next Saturday. Yeah, five days later, he texts me at like five forty-five, and he's like, "Big buck down." <laughs> I'm like, man, I'm like, are you kidding? Are you are you kidding me right now? And he's like, "No, I'm being serious." And uh, if you don't follow our social media, I posted a picture on there, but he shot a really nice ten pointer, and but we don't have history with no pictures prior, never seen the buck before. And uh, he just came through looking, I assume, looking for does. And, uh, you know, the crazy thing is we, so th this is where past history can play into effect. I'm going to tie something in right here. So we have a big swamp on our property and I ran cameras down there the past two years when, when I've really, you know, started running cameras and trying to look at past history and stuff. And 
between November 6th and November 9th, we've always had mature bucks show up in the swamp in daylight every time between those dates. And so we scouted it when I was home and we jumped a deer out of the swamp. Don't know if it was a buck or a doe, but it was by itself in a pretty secluded area where some rubs were leading into. So I kind of had it intuition it was a buck, but I don't know for sure. We didn't see the rack. And so I told dad, I said, you need to hunt down here during the rut, during the this November 6th through 9th time frame, and you'll probably have a good chance at killing a second buck. And uh, he was like, yeah, I'm going to go down there. I'm going to go down there. When November 7th rolls around, he didn't put no stand down there, um, you know. So, <laughs> but he was not hunting too far away, probably 200 yards. And that buck came exactly out of that area that afternoon. He came right out of that area, came up the ridge, and walked right by dad. And that's where history can play a factor. You know, if you have history, especially multiple years in a row like that, where bucks are showing up in an area during certain time frames during daylight hours, you need to be in there. And uh, oh yeah, it, yep, it just it just goes to show right there. The second buck you killed was a hunting right there where I had the camera. No, but that buck came straight out of that area on November seventh. So between that November sixth and ninth time frame, I was just talking about, and he was able to harvest him. Um, so just, you know, just making a point there, if, if you have past history, even if it's just one buck, one day, say November 8th, he comes through an area the next year, another buck comes through on November 7th, the next year, you know, a buck comes through on November 10th. Then in my mind that November 7th through 10th, I, I'm going to be in there because <laughs> there's obviously mature bucks traveling yeah, that area right. during that time frame, you know? and. Uh, so, you know, obviously super pumped for my dad. I uh, told him, you know, save some tabs on some bucks for me when I come up next week for Thanksgiving. <laughs> so, <laughs> so maybe I can always yeah, one go. at home, you know, since he's tagged out. He's not doing any hunting. And uh, for people that listen to the podcast in the past, uh, Jonathan Gilbert, we had him on during turkey season, made a post on our social media back a few weeks ago. He harvested a buck. Well, he tagged out this past weekend as well. Um, so big congratulations to him as well on that. And, uh, yeah, my dad, my dad tagged out on our home farm, which is awesome on two mature bucks. We're going to get both jaw bones. Like you were talking, we're sending them off and getting them, uh, aged, but I, I I'm curious yeah. to see what the one comes back. I think he's at least seven years old, but it'd be interesting to see if I'm off or if he's older. And the second one, he looked like he was probably four and a half. You know, he wasn't, didn't look super old, but massive body wise. And, uh, yeah, but other than that, I think he's probably about four and a half. <clears throat> and it's cementum annuli, by the way. That's the testing that they do. <laughs> it finally hit me, okay. man. It's driving me crazy. Yeah, cementum annuli. There's a couple couple labs across the country that, that do that. But you just send in an incisor tooth. So one of the front teeth you put, send it in. And um, I don't know. It's not, well, I say it's not cheap. I mean, I think it's around 30 bucks or so 35 bucks to for a tooth and then if you send off multiple you can get pretty good discounts but i think if you just send in one it's somewhere around 35 bucks to get it aged but you know it's it's not that's relatively small in the in the scheme of things to if you want an accurate age on your buck right and i think too you know, some of them you can get pretty close with your jawbone but well i think correct me if i'm wrong too but especially for 
private land guys, if you're in the DMAT program, um, which we've talked about before on the the podcast, uh, the management program that the DNR runs, I think if you're in that program, you can send them into the biologist for free. Or am I wrong on that? That's, I, I'm not sure of all the specifics, but that, that's probably right. They're probably just going to do a, a jawbone age on it, which, I mean, in most cases is fine. Yeah, a jawbone is not as accurate. But what difference does it make if if he says it's six and a half and it was seven and a half in in the grand scheme of things? I mean, most people are, um, you know, they're shooting for a certain like me. You know, I try to, on public land. I try to be three and a half or older. Well, that, it's pretty easy to you can get in that ballpark with a with a jawbone and be pretty accurate with it. Yeah, it might be they might call it four and a half and it's three and a half or vice versa. Uh, get you, you know a year plus or minus, but. You know, you can get it in the ballpark. Of course, you can tell exactly when one's a year and a half. There's no misidentifying that if looking at a jawbone. Um, and, you know, from there up, two and a half, three and a half. The older you get, the more subjective it gets because, you know, there's just a deer's teeth. One deer's teeth can wear a little little differently or a little quicker than another. But right, uh, you can get accurate enough in most cases that it's not going to matter, you know. Right. Yeah, so. So with that, you know, I mean, yeah, a lot of people tagging out. Big congratulations to you, man. I, <laughs> you know, this is like, I guess, like you said the other day, you, you quoted, I'm I'm making up for lost time, but this is two years oh, in yeah. a row. And, and the crazy, th- I, I got to ask, how good does it feel to, you know, obviously you didn't kill one on public this year yet. I'm going to throw a yet in there because there's still time. <laughs> and there's some bonus hunts that, you know, you could get it done on. But. How good does it feel knowing you bought this property last year and you punch both your tags on your home property? Oh, it, it definitely feels good. It's it's just to own a little land has been a lifelong dream of mine, and and honestly, just didn't think it was going to happen. Just didn't think it was going to work out, and it's it was it was crazy the way it did. But yeah, it's it's extremely rewarding, and uh, just just gets me fired up to really start you know, doing some management because I mean, it's, there's just so much more potential for this property than, than what it is now. And, you know, the fact that it's already holding, or, well, I won't say it's holding good deer, good deer using it. Um, you know, they're obviously using the area they're coming through. I got some regulars. I got a lot of, man, I've had quite a few other bucks that just show up maybe once, twice, you know, during the season at random that just kind of transition through the area. So it's it, the potential there is great, and uh, I'm just I'm ready to get in there and, and do some more habitat work and just keep hopefully making it better and better. So yeah, yeah it's it's definitely rewarding and uh, and exciting to look toward the future and hopefully hopefully keep improving on it. So guys, you hit it, guys and ladies, yeah. you heard it here first. Brian is uh, strictly going to be a private land hunter from here on out after this season. <laughs> No, no, no. I wouldn't get to do a whole lot of hunting if I could only hunt 15 acres. So. I'm just no, I, I still love that public land. I'm, I'm just teasing. Yeah, I'm just teasing. I, I, I do. Uh, man, there's something. I, I really appreciate it when uh, all I got to do is drag the buck down into the creek and on the other side, and then I can drive back to it and pick it up and haul it out. Right, yeah. <laughs> that makes you really, really appreciate that private land. Instead of being a mile back and having one or carting one. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. Yeah. And I guess that's another update is, you know, 
we've talked or I, I i think i have i can't say for certain so i'm sorry if i'm wrong on this but you know we talked about doing some habitat improvement on our farm uh cutting timber burning etc and we finally it's been two years in the making and this is how hard it is for small property owners if you're not looking to do it yourself like if you have more acreage than you can really handle yourself but not enough to really peak interest how hard it is to find somebody to come in and thin the timber um this is two years in the oh, making, yeah. but we finally have somebody that's going to come in and thin the timber in january and uh nice so looking forward to getting that done and getting that thin where we can burn and uh you know really start growing some habitat on the property to really hold Ma- mature bucks because it's funny dad shot that first buck and when he called me we we were talking for a while after and you know I, i've never claimed to be an expert by any means on the podcast if you go back to listen to other podcast episodes i'm no expert if if i was an expert i would already be tagged out i'm not so <laughs> um but you know obviously we 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 understand as hunters that thick cover is key you know and holding deer and most of the time being able to take a mature buck or getting close to that thick cover and catching them coming out of there. And dad called me after he first shot that first buck. And he's like, I got to give you credit. And I was like, on what? I was like, I didn't do nothing. You know, I was like, I'm two hours away. And he's like, that buck came straight out of a thicket and walked, you know, down into the food plot. And so, you know, I'm looking forward to getting that property wide, you know, not just one thicket here, one thicket there. You know, throughout the property, having good understory growth, you know, putting it on a rotational burn. And then, you know, and for guys on private, and Brian, I, you can chime in on, on this if you want, but guys on private, if you have a private t- property you can do this on, when you get your woods where you have that good understory growth, et cetera, and just hunt those food plots with easy access where you're you're not letting the deer know you're there. And you'll, I mean, your deer sightings will go through the roof. You know, that may be my opinion, but if, if you have thick cover all the way around your food plots and then you can keep the pressure off the deer, yeah, I mean, you got a dynamite area for success, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And that, that's kind of my end goal, which I don't, I don't want to get too deep into this because we're in now. <laughs> right, and, right, right. Actually, we had a guy. We had a guy reach out and ask if we'd do a whole another episode on small property management, which man, I'm all about that. So yeah, we can we'll, definitely, we'll definitely try to accommodate that. But but yeah, like this year, the bucks or at least the the regulars that were showing up, you know, all the early season, the first one I killed, um, they they're betting just off my property or not far off my property, especially the the that one I shot. I mean, he was right there close, but. You know, a year in, I've now gotten a much better idea of how the deer are using my property. But, you know, where they're bedding and where my food plot is, they got to walk across my wide open hardwoods right now to get from my that bedding to my food plot. So that's, I mean, that right there is why in most cases I'm only getting nighttime pictures in that food plot. You know, they're just not going to do it other than, you know, that buck did it the other day, but he was probably cruising, cruising for does. Uh, and, you know, I've been keeping the pressure fairly light back there too so that helps but but yeah so my end goal is gonna you know that whole hardwood section in the back there uh i'm gonna people would probably think i was crazy or a lot of a lot of guys uh to 
when I go back there this year and start killing the crap out of the trees, cutting and killing, a lot of people think I was crazy, especially, you know, there's going to be some oaks get whacked back there because I got too many. Or in some cases, you know, if you got three oaks all within 20 feet of one another, three big white oaks, you know, cut one, if not two of those down. And what's going to happen is the one that's left is going to, going to flourish is going to actually produce more mast because you're releasing it from the others. It's going to have, get more sunlight. It's going to get more moisture, more nutrients, but anyway, and it's going to produce a thick understory because now sunlight can get to the ground. But I, I just, I want to thicken that whole area up back there. And that's going to make those deer a lot more comfortable moving through my property during daylight hours, much more likely to bed on my property as opposed to my neighbor uh, and more likely to, to, you know, work their way through during daylight hours to that food plot. They might not step out in the food plot itself during daylight hours, but, you know, it gives me an opportunity to set up an ambush spot between that, that good thick bedding cover on the back and that, uh, you know, that food plot on the front. So that's kind of what the end goal is going to be. And, and again, we can, we can dive deep into that a little more on a, on another episode. Cause like I said, we're, we're over an hour now. I know we've <laughs> caught everybody up. Um, I guess the only thing left is anything. I, I guess you've kind of talked about as far as plans for the rest of the season. You know, you're getting ready to kick into the rut here. So I'm sure you're going to be full tilt here in the next couple of weeks. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's that's my plans. Is uh, Like I mentioned earlier, I got a couple areas, you know, that and we, we don't do this often, especially, you know, me and Brian both. We try not to hammer an area too much but this particular area probably december 4th through the night i will probably hunt there morning and afternoon every day and uh, just because yeah. I, I i know off the past history what's going to come rolling through there and uh you know if i if i burn it up in that five days and i don't see anything hey so be it you know but i'm probably going to be in there as much as i can and uh if, if the wind's right now i'm not going to get stupid with it and go in there and um, hunted on a wrong wind where, you know, I'm going to get busted, you know, hopefully, you know, not get busted. But, you know, if I have a good chance of getting busted by the wind, I'm not going to go in there and hunt it, but I'm definitely going to put a lot of time in there. And I got a couple other areas that I think could be pretty good, but yeah, for the most part, I'm, I'm, my rut's coming up and then, you know, I know Brian spent some money on some tags, but maybe, you know, still, my life is still a whirlwind right now, <laughs> but, uh, Maybe if it straightens out, you know, we can slip away again for another Alabama trip. Something we got to, you know, talk about if we want to do it or not. And if we don't, hey, we don't. But if oh, we yeah, yeah. decide decide we want some redemption, uh, you know, in Alabama, I, I wouldn't be opposed to, uh, to going back over there no, and trying to get some redemption. Be up for it. So uh, y'all be on yeah, the lookout for that. I, I kind of forgot about it. Yeah, I kind of forgot about Alabama. But yeah, I would probably, uh, I'd probably be game for that. I hate I hate uh, accepting defeat, so I need to, right. we need to go back and see if we can't redeem ourselves a little bit. Right, yeah. So if I can get my but life yeah. turned around, and uh, I guess with that, hey, uh, Brian, Brian, if you ain't got nothing else, we do have a new rating. I'm going to go ahead and read that off real quick. Um, it comes from Hunter Hall yeah. 29, and it says Hunter from Gwinnett, five star rating, and the review says love the podcast real laid back and lots of good info for hunting public land for a young guy with not much experience on public land this has helped a ton love the content and information y'all give unfortunately lost our private chat track of 360 acres due to our buddy who owned it dying now having to transition to a little public land 
hunting until we find a new place to hunt. And the podcast has been very helpful for a young 20 year old hunter. So, uh, Hunter Hall, you know, greatly appreciate the review. We're sorry to hear about your buddy that, you know, owned the private land that you hunted passing away, man. Prayers going out to y'all and, uh, hate to hear that, but glad to know that you've been able to find us and, uh, it's been able to be informative for you going out on public land and, uh, hopefully having some success. And I will say with that, Brian, hey, y'all, I mentioned earlier in the podcast, if you have not gone over to our YouTube channel, make sure to go over there. We have dropped some videos this fall, um, you know, not not a ton, but we have we have dropped some videos of our hunt <laughs> so far this season. You know, it's not been every week, but we we try to get we try to do it where at least the videos are enjoyable, you know, not just us going out seeing one doe or two does and, you know, posting a video. We try to we try to post videos where it's enjoyable, informative, et cetera. So, hey, make sure we've, we've hit over 1,000 subscribers. We're trying to get up to that 2,000 mark on there. So make sure to go over to our YouTube channel at Georgia Field. Check out the videos we've posted this fall, and we're going to be posting more here as the season uh, continues to go on. Drop us a, a subscribe. We'd greatly appreciate it, and uh, make sure you turn those notifications on so you know when we post new content. There you go. And I, I wish I'd, we'll have to read it on the next one because I forgot it wasn't a review per se, but uh, we had a guy drop us an email. And again, I don't have his name, so we'll, we'll do we'll read it off on a future episode. But he had actually I guess it was a listener success story. He had uh, gotten some information from uh, a couple of our podcast episodes about bear hunting, uh, particularly. I think he mentioned the, the one with Adam Hammond, the bear biologist, but uh, he learned enough on there as a new hunter to go out and kill two bears this year in the North Georgia mountains. So uh, I've got it right here. Uh, If you want me to read it off. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, go ahead. If you got it there, (laughs) I I just looked through our text messages and seen where you screenshot it and sent it to me. So, uh, yeah, Yeah. go ahead and go ahead and read off right here. So it, it comes from Steven and, uh, excuse me if I pronounce your last name wrong. Uh, Platic, I think is how you pronounce it. And it says North Georgia bear success. And it says, Hey guys, love the podcast and the new YouTube content. Great stuff. Please keep it up. And it says, I just wanted to let y'all know due to your podcast on bears with Adam Hammond, uh, and generally listen to your podcast and gaining a little woodmanship. I was able to kill not one, but two North Georgia bears on Tuesday of this week. I killed one with my longbow and the second with my 30 alt six rifle being a new adult onset hunter third season ever at 47 years of age i'm over the moon about this been a tough season until tuesday funny how the season can change real fast so thanks for all that you do really helpful best wishes sp so yeah that's what you were talking about earlier how quick that season can turn around and uh that's right only takes one hunt that's right so uh steven we greatly appreciate the email and uh glad that you know our podcast, our podcast with Adam was able to help you find success on those bears. And honestly, to kill two in one day, I mean, that's spectacular. One with a longbow. Right, yeah. I Steven would guide us next year. <laughs> you ain't kidding. Take us out. Uh, oh, man. Heck so, yeah. Uh, that's awesome, so, man. I appreciate that. And hey, if anybody else out there, if anything you've heard on the podcast from any of our guests it has helped you be successful uh, like Steven. We'd love to hear about that, man. That's that's the kind of stories that, that kind of keep us motivated to, to crank these things out, just knowing that it's, it's helping some of you guys out there. Uh, not necessarily what me and Robert are doing, but, you know, with the, with the guests that we try to have on here, 
uh, to help you guys out. So um, me and Robert will tell you what not to do. <laughs> Our guests can tell you uh, how, to, how to make it happen. <laughs> well, Robert will tell you not what to do, but, yeah. but listen to Brian. <laughs> Uh, yeah, like I said, I'm making up for lost time. I, I got to thinking about that the other day, and I think I my first five seasons living here in Georgia, I did not kill a buck. So it ain't like I've been out there shooting shooting good bucks every year. Um, it took me a while to, to get up to speed. Not that I didn't have some opportunities during those five seasons at, at some smaller bucks, but uh, just uh, just took me a while to, to figure out these Georgia deer, and, and not that I've got them figured out now, but it's definitely uh i've had a uh, good two seasons for sure but you know that's not to say that next season couldn't be a, a blank so i ain't gonna take it for granted <laughs> <laughs> oh man that's right well brian i don't have anything else if if you don't i guess we can uh go ahead and wrap this one up huh yep yeah i think so uh for the three people that are still listening we'll uh <laughs> we'll see you on the next one <laughs> as always guys hey hunt safe shoot straight And most importantly, hey, just enjoy your time out there in God's great outdoors. We'll see you guys on the next one.